having good mentors in my life has been really, really helpful. And then allowing them to push you too. I really appreciate that and I want that and I thrive on that when I'm constantly being challenged. I'm always looking for people that are going to pour into me. Yes, so I can grow as an individual, but then I can kind of pour into other people as well. And I just hope that I can teach and help people understand that through their challenges, they can become a better person. My job isn't just in business. I can be a great husband. I can be a great dad. I can be a great business person. I can have it all. It's not going to be easy by any means, but I think that I can expand my capacity where I can excel in all those areas. That's the voice of Buddy Boyd, a truly amazing example for young leaders both in and out of the Cutco Vector business. Buddy has managed the challenges of building a successful sales organization while getting married and having three children currently four years old or younger. And he's done this all before even reaching his 30th birthday. In this conversation, we talk about the grit Buddy had to have to overcome challenges in his life, the growth he's undergone through inviting mentorship from others, and the ways in which he's paying it forward by giving his leadership to others today. This is the story and lessons of Cutco Vector's Frontier Division Manager, Buddy Boyd. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is Buddy Boyd. Buddy is the Frontier Division Manager for the Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization. He's been with the company now for a little over 12 years, having started in the summer of 2008. Buddy went to college at the University of Missouri. He worked with Cutco all through his years at college, graduated in 2013 with a degree in finance and econ. Uh, and became a district manager at that time. Over his years as a district manager, Buddy was consistently a top performer in the company, uh, ranked very highly nationwide pretty much every single year, was promoted to take over the Frontier Division in 2018, and has been leading and building his organization there for the last couple of years. Frontier is uh, encompasses the state of Kansas, as well as parts of Missouri and Nebraska. I'm excited to have you on the podcast today, buddy. Thanks for making some time uh, to be here. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm really excited to be on. Excellent. Well, I think it'd be great for people to hear a little bit about your background. I remember we uh, we got together for an episode when we talked a little bit about uh, the George Floyd 
uh, situation that occurred back in May, and people might have heard a little bit from you there. But let's get some time to be able to dig in a little bit more to your personal background. Yeah, cool. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. So I grew up in the inner city of Kansas City. I'm one of eight kids, so four boys, four girls. Uh, my dad was a professor at DeVry University for 35 years. And then my mom was stay-at-home mom. And uh, she also had a catering company that she did on the side. I was actually, all my siblings, we were actually homeschooled um, because the school district was really bad in that area. And uh, so my parents homeschooled us up until high school. And then I ended up going to an actual high school for four years. So full Wow. Back. So eight, you have seven siblings. Correct. Seven eight kids, eight kids all together. And where are you in the? I'm in right the, in the middle, number five. I'm the forgotten kid. I actually got <laughs> forgotten left a few times growing up. So <laughs> that is funny. And that what's the age range difference? Um, yeah, basically all two years apart. So oldest sister forty, all the way down to twenty, basically. Yeah. Wow. And your your mom was primarily responsible for homeschooling you, all of you. Yeah, well, it was it was definitely a community effort. I mean, we uh, the homeschool community is pretty tight knit, and we had a lot of family friends who were kind of similar uh, in that sense. And so, uh, I'd say I had multiple moms that raised me, and multiple dads, and I had cousins that would stay over at our house too growing up. Because again, it was just a not the greatest educational area, but our because of the way in which we were educated. A lot of my siblings ended up thriving. Like some of my older siblings had full ride scholarships, you know, scored really high on their tests and things like that, were involved with music or went into the military. We have a pretty heavy military family too. About half my siblings are in the military. Um, and then there's me, the knife guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I'm sure they admire you uh, as much, if not more than you admire them for all of what you're doing now. How did you end up finding Cutco? So one of my friends recommended me to the job before Cutco, I was a lifeguard. And then uh, just randomly one day out of the blue, I was at the pool and uh, got a call. And I don't remember much about the call other than the $15. And I was like, what time's the interview? (laughs) (laughs) That was, yeah, that was my first, Cutco was like my first real professional interview. I remember going to the office and interviewing and not having no idea what I was going to be doing, what it was. But seemed like a lot of cool people worked there. I was really impressed by the manager. And um, yeah, and then I started my summer and kind of uh, the rest is history, I guess. And who did you, who was your manager that you started with? So my original district manager is Brandon Venning. Brandon Venning. I remember that guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I just remember being so impressed when he trained. Uh, he was just so confident. He had like almost like flawless pu- public speaking. And then the culture of the office was just so, fun. Like everyone was very tight. And we were one of the top offices that year too. We were going for a silver cup. We were just behind number two, which was a office, I think on the, in the Northeast region, but we were just very tight into each other. It was like a, definitely like a family that first summer. Yeah. And this is before Justin Donald came down to run the gateway division, right? Oh, so Justin was the division manager at the time. Oh, he was already there. He was already there. Yep. Okay. My, awesome. my, I didn't really have a relationship with Justin at that time yet. Right. He was out in St. Louis. Right. The division structure was different than it is now where, you know, yep. the other part of Missouri was, was kind of with, with uh, your area of, of uh, Missouri and Kansas. Right. Correct. Yep. Yep. Cool. 
Cool. Well, tell us about some of the experiences you had that stand out from your early days with Cutco. Yeah. So I think one of my first, uh, I guess, key experiences would have been my first time traveling with the company going on a January trip. And uh, not only what it took to earn the trip, but just going out, being on my own. I'd always kind of saw myself as the independent kid in the family, but being able to travel to a different country with the company kind of opened my eyes to uh, the opportunity. Uh, And that really sparked the passion for traveling for me. In fact, right after I got back from that trip, while I was on that trip, I went scuba diving. I came back and I joined the University of Missouri Scuba Club, uh, which ironically, they have a scuba diving club in Columbia, Missouri, which there's no... (laughs) that but and then i i got my scuba diving certification and then i tried to scuba dive on every trip uh thereafter so that was something that just kind of opened up a passion i i didn't even know i had just by getting exposed to that yeah which trip was that that was a trip to cancun actually so it was it was and i've been to cancun probably seven times since <laughs> but that first trip was amazing yeah uh, and you know get from the inner city getting to travel to different countries that was just that was awesome yeah, this was a region trip then that, that was offered trip. by your yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's awesome that all of our regions have these opportunities for people to be able to win a trip, and it's not like you have to do some remarkably huge job. Like sometimes it's just for crushing it the first few weeks of January. You know, we reward people for getting off to a good start beginning of a year. You know, and other times it's for other achievements. But uh, our you know our national trip obviously is a much bigger and more more challenging thing to win but these region trips are a fantastic way for a lot of young people to get their feet wet with travel and other cultures and seeing some cool places yeah and not only that just the connections being able to be made on the trips interacting with the the managers from other parts of the country uh, and seeing how big cutco really is was great for networking yeah my first trip i ever took was to a club med in mexico and i was I, I had won it as an assistant manager and got to go down to, you know, Mexico and hang out with a lot of top branch managers and other great people. And I remember like I met Brad Britton on that trip and got to follow him around. And he was he was an elite branch manager from the year before I branched. And, you know, I got to follow him around and ask questions and learn from him. And, you know, that that relationship has existed now for over 30 years. Uh, and it was initiated on a company trip like you just described. Yeah. Tell us uh, some more of the experiences you had with selling and leading and just some of the lessons you feel like you learned during your yeah, early so, days. Yeah. So some of my you know most transformational experiences definitely came in my uh, branch offices. So I ran two branches. The first branch I ran was in Jefferson City, Missouri. And I remember, I remember being definitely overwhelmed, nervous. Uh, scared, didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And, uh, but everything just kind of fell into place. I had a great assistant manager that was kind of like my partner with me in crime that summer. And I remember being in the office, we had a ton of adversity that summer. I mean, even just driving and moving our furniture into the office, I remember driving the U-Haul through like the foothills of Missouri, like through the Ozark area, the Ozark region, that's where Jefferson's uh, city is. And um, our, our U-Haul ran out of gas. And we were in like, basically in the middle of nowhere, just completely pitch black. And uh, it was a terrifying, it was a terrifying moment, just finding a way to get out of that. Uh, I remember that summer, we had a push period at, in, for SC2 in July. 
And uh, I was all hyped up, ready to go. Our team was doing well. We were one of the top performing branches at that point in the summer in our region. And the day before our push, the, the big sales contest started, I remember I got home to my apartment because I, I commuted to my office about 30 minutes. There was a warrant out for my arrest. Apparently, six months prior to, I'd gotten a speeding ticket from a light uh, and they sent the ticket to my parents' house. And my parents obviously didn't mention it to me. And so <laughs> I had to out from my arrest. So that kind of like scared me a little bit being in, in the different city and knowing I had this big sales thing tomorrow. And then I also had a busted headlight uh, on my car. So I knew I was going to get pulled over and it was just going to be bad news. So I had to play, uh, uh, use my high beams, right, to, to drive down that 20 minutes the next morning. And then I arrived in my office the next morning and my office had been broken into and everything was stolen from it. Uh-huh. So I got reps showing up, everything's gone from my office. And I just remember just saying, hey, you know what? We're going to figure it out. We're going to find a way. You know, champions are made through adversity. I was just quoting the same things I've learned throughout the years. And we ended up having our best two weeks of the summer. So I think that experience taught me really how to just be resourceful and find a way to battle through things. And uh, that's something that I've kind of hung my hat on my entire career is I can get through anything. I can figure it out. And then that trans translate into my second branch, which that time I had more help. I, we really scaled. Um, I had five assistant managers that second summer and we almost doubled the amount of sales that we did, uh, as a branch. Um, so that was really fun. And then the following year I went on and I was the pilot sales manager. And that's when I worked with Justin directly. We had 400 reps that, that summer on the team. So I really learned how to lead, how to work hard, how to grind. And we were we did a million dollars for the summer, and that was definitely a transformational year. Even before my summer started, I remember driving to St. Louis from school almost every single weekend that spring before just to train and learn from him because Justin was so good in the business. And uh, that really set up the momentum that we needed to have a huge summer. Yeah. It, you know, it's amazing how many stories of people from Vector... Uh, you hear that will combine this sort of major adversity that occurred or all of these like different challenges that accumulated. And it's combined with, oh, but we also had our two best weeks of the, you know, that that I ever had in my career, you know, during that time. And it really like speaks to the, there's an old Jim Rohnism where he says, it's not what happens, it's what you do that makes the difference. And I think that, you know, people can really, really learn lessons from uh, stories like you just shared that these sorts of things, they happen. They happen to almost everybody. And it isn't you know, a, a sign that you're destined to not be successful at what you're doing or that you're you know, going to be derailed for a long amount of time. These are all just the parts of the learning process, I think, for virtually every single person. Absolutely. And I think that really changed my outlook on how I see my life, You know, being from where I'm from. And I think my parents definitely set us up well, like they definitely ingrained some strong principles into us about work ethic and integrity and, you know, just being a good person in general. But uh, when Vector really exposed me to the concept of personal growth and taking the challenges that you have, learning from them and uh, choosing to become better, right? Versus being a victim and saying everyone's out to get me or I can't do this because this or that. Uh, for me, it was like, anytime something happens, I'm like, okay, great. I'm just going to deal with this and I'm going to move through it and I'm going to learn and on to the next. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so after the success you had working with Justin, 
in his pilot office. Was it just natural for you to become a district manager after that? Or what did you consider some other options as well? Yeah. And I, I remember Justin, uh, we had this conversation as I was a senior in college. And obviously, he wanted me to stay and become a district manager. But he also did a great job of encouraging me to put myself out there and uh, see what the vector opportunity really did for me on my resume. And uh, his belief was that if I, and this might have been a regional belief too, but if I really tested the waters and chose Vector, then I'd be more committed in Vector. And I definitely interviewed. I interviewed with a bunch of companies that fall and that spring and uh, kind of put myself out there. And uh, ultimately, what made me decide to stay as a district manager was Justin's like leadership and just being able to partner with somebody as successful as him. And he kind of viewed me as like his top person, almost like someone that he could, you know, help has, have as much success as he's had. And I really kind of wanted what he had in life. I really looked up to him. That and the fact that I'd put so much time into the job over that four-year period of time that I just felt like it wouldn't be right to see the thing through and see how good I could be. And yeah. uh, it was what I knew. And so uh, I figured, why not see how good I can be? I remember writing my letter of commitment to him. Uh, which is something that we do when we decide we want to do something. We'll usually write out our goals and commit to something. And I was like, hey, I'm going to commit to five years of being a district manager. And I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm going to, you know, here's here's what I'm going to bring to the table. And it was kind of ironic because on that fifth, on the anniversary of that fifth year, that's when I got promoted to division manager. And that uh, Justin already left the company. Our new region manager didn't know anything about that letter of commitment. It was just like, it was almost like destiny. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Well, you had a great run during those five years as a district manager. What do you feel was your proudest moment during that time? Probably uh, in the beginning, that first summer, I just had some great people that came into my organization that ended up working with me for five, six, seven years. Uh, I have some of my top people that are still in my organization that were with me from that first summer, 2013. So uh, seeing people go from seniors in high school, like I was, to all through college and then on to their professional, the early stages of their professional careers. That was really exciting. I was really proud of the tenure that I had with some of my top people. Another thing was towards the end, you know, I had moments of ups and downs in my district manager career. And a lot of changes happened too. I, two years later, I got um, married. So in 2015, I, I got married. And then a year later, I had my first kid. Uh, and then in 2017, we had just a lot of challenges. And I remember at the end of 2017, we had a contest, President's Banquet. And we our office is way off pace at this point in time to hit it. And I remember having a conversation with Mike Muriel about you know just giving it everything I have. And uh, this was my opportunity to earn the position, right? I'd been good in the summer. I'd been good in the, in the easy times to be good. But I was not that great at the business during the more challenging times. And uh, we we rallied. I, I really dug deep and we found a way to hit the goal. We had one of our biggest Novembers ever. It was truly like a November to remember that led us to having a massive January. And that really just changed my entire year and solidified my promotion as well. Mm. It's very noteworthy to point out that a lot of times one surge of momentum in the business can carry people into some really amazing achievements and can can literally transform their career. And uh, it's cool to hear that you'd, you know, you decided you really wanted to uh, use the words earn the position. You wanted to earn that promotion that you were working towards and you really put in the effort to be able to do that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, what do you feel like is your secret sauce as a leader, buddy? 
I'd say there's obviously a lot of things, but the biggest thing for me has just been whenever you know I have somebody that believes in me. So I use Justin as the example, and then currently Mike Muriel, right? Really doing everything I can to partner with that person. You know, when you have somebody who's really successful and has what you might aspire to achieve, that's somebody you want to lock arms with. And so having good mentors in my life has been really, really helpful. And uh, and then allowing them to push you too. So with Justin, I remember saying, "Hey, push me! Like, don't let me, don't go easy on me." With Muriel, I do that even till this day, and he definitely challenges me, runs me through the ringer, tells me the truth, and I, I really appreciate that. And I want that, and I thrive on that when I'm constantly being challenged. And then going back to what I said earlier about just being resourceful, you know, uh, being married and having kids and running the business is has is is a different challenge than what it was like when I was single and wasn't married and didn't have that level of responsibility and I could just work whenever I wanted to. Um, and so being resourceful, getting creative and uh, being more intentional, I think that's something that is one of my superpowers. I like to say that I tend to thrive during chaos. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I'm sure you have that with three kids under four. I'm definitely gonna ask you about that here in a minute or two. You referenced allowing mentors to push you, particularly right now, for example, working with Mike Muriel allowing Mike Muriel to push you. What do those conversations look like where you acknowledge to Mike that you want that sort of leadership from him? How does that come across? One of the ways in which uh, I allow him to push me is uh, whenever we are setting goals or thinking about the campaigns uh, or the upcoming years, he always acknowledges like what's going on in my life. And he'll say things like, hey, you know, yes, you weren't in the top 10 this campaign, but it's because you have, you know, you got three kids, you got a wife. And I'd say, well, I, you know, that's no longer an excuse. I don't want to use that as my excuse. So what, what is, how do I make this happen despite what's going on? And then he's always able to kind of coach me in that way and help me come up with better ideas. And so just, just not allowing me to have like basic excuses. I think that that's the best way that uh, he's been able to coach me is call me out when I am just making lame excuses that I feel like I could uh, find ways to overcome. Another thing that he constantly challenges me on is reaching out to people that are getting better results than me in similar situations as well. I mean, there's other people that are married with kids around the country as well in our business that are really, really successful. And so he's always trying to help me continue to network and continue to uh, reach out um, so that way I can grow in that way. Uh, another thing that he really challenges me on is not just in business, but one thing he always asks me is, how my married life is going, right? How being a dad is going. He really does take a holistic approach to coaching me because, uh, you know, if things aren't going well with my wife, it's going to definitely translate into my business. And if things aren't going well with the kids, it's going to translate into business as well. It's really hard to separate those things. And so um, he does a great job of like coaching me and giving me advice in all areas of my life. Mm. And uh, do you find yourself uh, paying that forward with a lot of the people that you're working with now? Absolutely. I, I consider it definitely an, an honor to be able to coach someone uh, or mentor someone. But a lot of the people that I've brought up in the business over the years, you know, some of them are in kind of later stages of their life. One of my long-term reps, his name is Caleb Slaughter. Uh, seeing him, he got married this past year and we had conversations about him buying a house now and, uh, you know, his finances and his future and some of his goals. And these are just things that it's like 
it's so exciting to be able to give that back because pretty much all of my financial... I was a finance major in college, but I think my real financial education came in Cutco. Learning from Justin about money, learning from Muriel about money and saving and finances, all that stuff, just being able to pay it forward and just also getting exposure to you know other great financially successful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, definitely great. And then also giving you know Caleb things like marriage advice, right? Like here's what I'm going through. Here's here's what not to do. Uh, I'm definitely not perfect by any means. Uh, my wife will definitely tell you that, but um, I, I have some experience and I do have things to offer to people. Yeah, nice. I like what you said about you share your goals with Mike, and then Mike hold you accountable to those goals. I think that for many leaders, most leaders probably ask their people for their goals and they probably, you know, make some kind of note of it in some way, but the accountability to continue talking about whether somebody is on track or off track to me is a very important part of leadership because, you know, where our job as leaders is to help people get what they want. And if somebody tells you, well, I want this, then our job is to help them make sure they get it. And sometimes that means encouraging. And, you know, sometimes that means teaching or training. And sometimes that means kicking people in the butt, right? Calling people out, as you described, uh, that occasionally happens, you know, when you're working with somebody. And I I know Mike has that, uh, like, just he has an ability to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. And I think that's a great strength of his that uh you can mirror and that you're you're getting a chance to to have in your life so that's pretty positive yeah and another thing i'd say on that is if he doesn't have the answer or if he is if he knows his limitation in terms of like teaching that subject he does like to outsource things he's always having me reach out so i have coaches in all areas of my life like mike is definitely a business and kind of like a holistic coach for me but i also have multiple financial coaches and i work with adam stock right i have a personal trainer so helping me out with fitness we've done marriage counseling i think that's really important to do on a consistent basis i have spiritual leaders in my life um, and so i'm always looking for people that are going to pour into me and yes so i can grow as an individual but then i can kind of pour into other people as well mm. That was really a a compelling uh, thing that you just said right there about engaging and coaching in a variety of different areas of your life. I don't think most people do that. And I think that's an insight that people can definitely uh, take and consider. So you're doing this right now, all the success you're having, and you have three kids and the oldest is four. Correct. Is that right? (laughs) So three kids, four and younger. How do you make that work, buddy? I don't know. Every day, it's a different adventure. But you've met my oldest on trips before, uh, Ava. She is definitely a handful. But one thing I'm, I'm trying to do with the kids is definitely learn lessons from them and also practice some of these additional skills that I'm learning in business as I'm working with the kids. So things just like listening, right? Being fully engaged and present. I'm definitely not perfect at them by any means, but these are things that I'm like aware of noticing like the small things. Like the other day I was with my, uh, my four-year-old and we were walking down the street and I intentionally left my phone at home because I was like, I want to be fully engaged with her. And we're walking down the street and then she looks down and she's like, dad, there's a worm. I'm like, Oh, that is a worm. I don't think I can't even remember the last time I noticed the worm on the ground. And we look down and we, for about five minutes, I'm explaining to her where worms come from and things like that. 
And it was just like a great moment that I might have missed had I not been intentionally engaged. Mm-hmm. Other things like just seeing that she doesn't know really anything about life. Like the other day, I taught her how to play the card game War. And it literally has like changed her life. Every day she wants to play War now. She thinks she's like this amazing card shark. And it's the <laughs> and she knows all the suits and all the uh, everything. And, um, you know, realizing that my job isn't just, you know, in business. It's like, I need to be a great dad too. I need to be a great husband too. I can, I can be a great husband. I can be a great dad. I can be a great business person. I can have it all, right? It's not going to be easy by any means, but I think that I can expand my capacity where I can excel in all those areas uh, versus using one as an excuse to not do well in the other. Yeah, Brad Britton has called that the genius of the and, which I think came from uh, the book uh, Good to Great or something like that. But it's uh, the genius of the and is that you, you can have this and that, right? You can have the great personal life and the successful business and manage it all. And of course, as you described earlier today, at some point, uh, at some points, there's this, you know, chaos that happens, sort of a controlled chaos that happens, which is natural when you have little kids. But, uh, but I love what you said about learning lessons from your kids. I think that's a really cool thing that we can do. I started taking notes in a little journal about some of the things that my son says, because he just says these like, funny things you know as a three-year-old kid he was trying to put something together the other day and he's like you know he couldn't do it and he's like if i can't i try again and if i can't i try again <laughs> i was like hey that's a good that's a good lesson right there you know and there's all these great lessons that come out when we listen to our kids and they're they're so observant and you know they learn from everything we say and do and it's, it's just a it's a great experience having little ones like you have for sure. I would say, you know, my wife is very patient with me and kind of gives me the space to work when I need to work really hard. And she's always challenging me though, too. It's like, hey, you need to be done at this time. Right. And so what that does for me is it forces me to be way more intentional and way more productive. You know, before I was married, I could do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I could work until nine o'clock at night if I wanted to, or take a call on a Saturday at two o'clock, whatever. But now that's not the case. So knowing that. I have to show up with a different level of energy because the time is ticking before I, you know, have to go and be the dad and the husband and whatnot. And then another thing is when I'm done working after a long and challenging day, and obviously you know how things can be super challenging and as a manager in Cutco and stressful and, you know, all the things that'll happen. I can't just like veg out at the end of the day or, or go home and then, all right, I'm going to watch TV. I've been working all hard all day. I have to actually show up with more energy at five o'clock for my family and kids because my wife has been dealing with the kids all day. And so she's wiped out. So it's almost like this. I have to manage my energy 24-7 and be constantly mindful of how I'm showing up in the morning, how I'm ending the day as well. Um, so it's definitely a new challenge. Yeah, great insights for sure right there. I really appreciate that. I would be remiss, buddy, if I didn't mention that you are an important role model for all of the African-American young up-and-comers in our company. You're one of the top-ranking leaders in our company uh, who is Black. And I'm just wondering, you know, what does, that, what does that position as a role model mean to you? Yeah, well, it definitely means a lot. And going back to Mike, you know, our, our region has really had a lot of diversity over the years. And Mike 
is Bolivian, by the way. At a certain, he'll, he wants to make sure that people know he's Bolivian. Uh, <laughs> at a p- certain point in time, our division, we had, you know, three or four black people. We had a, you know, our Bolivian manager. We had, you know, uh, a few females. We had a Latino guy. We were very, we've always been very diverse, I feel. And I don't know if Mike has purposely, you know, made that a point, but uh, we've always had a very diverse region. And so with that, you know, for me, I, anytime that I have an opportunity to, you know, work with somebody who maybe is from the inner city that, you know, has some of the challenges that I might've had growing up as well, I'm definitely trying to help them understand some of these lessons that I've, that I've learned as well. Uh, But there's, there's a breed of up and coming black superstar sales reps, managers, CSPs in our company. Um, and I really think the, the th- things are kind of changing. You know, I mentioned Caleb on my team and Vernon Williams, you know, lucky. These are some amazing people in our region. Uh, and then outside our region, Kip, uh, Alexander Bates, you know, uh, going back to Michael Foreman. These are all people that I speak to regularly that, uh, have reached out to me that look to me as a leader, and um, what I always throw back to them is, hey, you, you like no matter what anyone says to you, you are in control of your own life. You actually get to make those decisions. You get to work as hard as you want to be. We create our own success. And it's not about your skin color. And if, you know, I, I've never, I'm in a predominantly white area in my territory. Most of the kids that I recruit are uh, not black, but they still see me as a leader because of how I show up and the value I add. So as long as you're adding value, partnering with the right people, then you can have as much success as you want to have. Yeah. And, and it's great that we can all, I think, say that Vector is a company that gives people opportunity when they earn it. And it doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, or any of those things. If somebody earns opportunity, they get it here. And I know from my dealings with Mike that part of why you know Central has had good success in building a diverse region is because Mike cares about that. It matters to him. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Well, buddy, what are you most excited about in your life right now? Well, we just moved into our second home and, uh, or we sold our other house and moved into a new house. So I'm really excited about just settling here. As far as the year goes, obviously this is the first year with COVID and just the changes in our business. So it's kind of opened up really cool opportunities, uh, for my division, for my work schedule Uh, so for me, 2021 is getting back to being nationally competitive. You know, we definitely, now that I'm a division manager, I kind of got put into the tank with the sharks. Uh, I see really what it's going to take and I'm excited. It's like, I, I don't think that I've ever been as excited, uh, and humbled at the same time about, uh, like my results. Right. I feel like we're almost every day. I feel like we're like the worst. Right. And that's a great place to be where you feel like, you know, you're not doing that well and you have so much more to grow. Uh, so it's kind of keeping me really, really aggressive right now. But I want our division to be one of the top divisions in the nation. I'm excited to build with the people that we have right now on our team. Uh, our division office manager is great. We've got some great DMs. Kendall and Fonz are really, really coming into their own. So I'm excited about that. Our division core values are grit, growth, and giving. And that's that's something that I came up with a few years ago. And I think it really just uh, resembles kind of what I've had to do throughout my career to get to where I am today. And that's what I want our people to uh, have too, is like grit where they can figure out anything at any point in time where they can be resourceful and find a way to battle through adversities. Uh, Even when they don't feel like doing certain things, they'll still find a way to make those things happen. 
uh, growth. I, I definitely want to focus on personal growth and becoming the best version of ourselves and growing in every area possible, you know, health, finances, relationships, spiritually, and in the business as well. And then giving. And it's not about giving from a charitable standpoint. It's more about adding value to other people, right? It's about giving um, of yourself so you can help other people become better as well. It's about making an impact. Um, so that that's really what I'm working hard towards every single day as I'm uh, building our division. We definitely have a long road ahead of us, but I'm, I'm really excited. I love what you just said there about grit, growth, and giving, buddy, because it really summarizes you, right? You grew up in an inner city situation where, you know, not, not exactly the same kind of opportunities that most or many kids have. And, you know, grit helped take you uh, from that into your vector career. And then, of course, with vector, grit is a key element of success, particularly in the early days of any role in Vector as a sales rep and or as a manager. Growth has been a key part of how you have elevated yourself through your Vector career. And giving is what you do every day as a leader in terms of you know paying forward all the things that you have had given to you through your leaders. Uh, you're sharing yourself and you're sharing your insights and you're sharing your leadership uh, and your example uh, with others, both in your organization and throughout the whole company. So I think that's a cool, that's a cool theme. Thanks. Yeah, I didn't go with my own. It was definitely a uh, team effort when we uh, when we came up with those core values, but definitely resonate with me. Yeah, awesome. I, I like it. I like it. Well, you you know the podcast theme, buddy, is changing lives. And as you look into your future and you think about uh, changing people's lives, uh, anything you feel like you want to add to what we've talked about today about how you will change people's lives in the years ahead? Yeah, I think with. COVID happening and just the way the world is changing, a lot of people might have a sense, a, a lack of purpose. Yeah, I've heard people say over and over again, 2020 is like a terrible year. It's a really bad year, right? Uh, you see that on social media all the time. For me, it's been a great year. It's definitely been a challenging year, but that's why it's been great. And I just hope that I can teach and uh, help people understand that through their challenges, they can become a better person. Uh, through their challenges, they can actually have stories to share that'll impact other people in the future. And that's really what I want to do. That's what I want my kids to know growing up is that they can do anything that they set their minds to and that challenges are really good for them. And yeah. uh, they have to, you know, at some point figure out ways to get out of certain things and, and grow in that way. So uh, that's really what I'm just trying to do every day. That's an awesome example that you are setting and it's just a great principle that uh, challenges are what provide us with the opportunity for growth, right? You build muscle when there's resistance, when you're lifting a weight, you know, and it's the same thing in life. And I felt like that's an awesome, awesome uh, thing for you to share. And you're, you're, you're obviously an incredible example for so many people and it's, it's great to see. So congrats on all your success and Hey, thanks so much for making time for the podcast, buddy. Thanks a lot, Dan. That was Buddy Boyd, everyone. What a great example of a young leader in the Cutco Vector organization. Buddy is 29 years old. He has had great business success already. And, of course, married three kids, getting it all done. Really just a prime example for anyone who is young and up and coming in vector marketing or anywhere else 
trying to have the life that you want to have and to design the life that you want to have. Grit, growth, and giving is just such a great theme for the things that Buddy shared today about his life and his career and uh, the ways that he is paying forward all of the gifts that he has been given through the leaders that he has been able to work with in the company. I love that Buddy has created a relationship with Mike Muriel and previously with Justin Donald where he could be pushed and encouraged to make sure he hit his goals and did not allow excuses to get in the way of that. It's probably a great idea for anyone listening to think about who are your leaders, who are your mentors, what kind of relationship do you have with them that allows for those kinds of things to happen, that kind of open communication to happen. But he engages in coaching in a variety of different areas in his life. And in terms of parenting, handling all of the challenges and adventures and chaos that can happen with three little kids, he did talk about the concept of intentional engagement. And I think that's important in any aspect of our lives that we consider to be a high priority. A lot of good stuff. Just again, a tremendous example for so many people in and out of the Vector Cutco organization. Very proud to feature Buddy Boyd today. Hope you enjoyed this. Buddy talked about his team's core values of grit, growth, and giving. You want to learn more about your own core values? There's a cool personality assessment called the Core Values Index that can help you learn more about yourself and about the people who you lead. Many leaders in my circles, both in and out of Vector, have used CVI to learn more about themselves and about the people they lead. If you've heard your manager use the terms builder, merchant, innovator, or banker, that's from CVI. I've arranged for our listeners to get a free CVI assessment by visiting erep.com slash e slash dc. It takes less than 10 minutes to complete, and you'll get your results immediately. You'll also have an option to upgrade your report to a detailed assessment that will blow you away with some specifics of your core values. Anyway, check it out at erep.com slash e slash dc. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Buddy Boyd. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.